Good morning, everyone. Today is the third Sunday of Advent, and we'll be alighting the joy candle. And the angel of the Lord said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. The shepherds hear the angel's proclamation and indeed are filled with both awe and joy. They are mere shepherds, considered by some as the lowest of the low. But the angel comes to them, no one else but to them, and gives them the news of a momentous event, the birth of the Messiah. Filled with joy, they careen down the hills into the town, find the stable and manger, and knelt before the, child, the Christ child. Joy is an emotion of exaltation that comes from a new realization, an event of blessing, a state of blessedness. And, sure, and surely the shepherds feel that. But as the years progress and they tell the story to their children's children, the sense of wonder and joy remains. An angel has spoken to them. The angel spoke of a physical birth but there is also a spiritual dimension, the joy that breaks upon us when we finally grasp that Jesus loves us in spite of ourselves, forgives all our sins and past failings, and takes up residence in our lives. Then the initial joy melds into an enduring joy of companionship with the Lord. All right, let us pray. Father, thank you for the joy that the angels experience the joy of Jesus' birth, and the joy of the new birth that we can experience day by day until we see you in glory. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Please rise. Singing with us today, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. O Come, O Come, O Come, Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. 
motion. Keep singing. Keep singing. scripture reading for today is from Isaiah chapter 9 verses 1 to 7. Nevertheless there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali but in the future he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign as David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 20. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy to all the people. Today, in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them 
and gone into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which was just as they had been told.
Right, today's scripture reading is Luke 2, 1 through 7. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. Let's sing Merry Christmas. 
Good morning. Um, the final scripture reading is going to be Luke 2, 21 to 35. Luke 2, verses 21 to 35. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed him and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, First Baptist Church of Flushing. How are we? Oh, good. I want to thank all those who have uh, sung and played so far. Wow, there's so much participation today. Uh, by the end of the service, if you have not yet gotten a chance to be on stage, you can come up and we can sing one more song together. Just kidding, we're not doing that. <laughs> now, Christmas is a season of great anticipation. Now, right around this time of year, as gifts are wrapped and laid under the Christmas tree, the waiting almost becomes unbearable for the kids and sometimes the grown-ups because they want to open those presents so badly. Let's face it, waiting can be tough. Now, years ago, there was this uh, psychology experiment that's commonly known as the marshmallow test. Have you ever heard of it? Let me tell you. A Stanford uh, professor of psychology conducted this study on delayed gratification. And what they did was they took four-year-olds and they put them in a room, one at a time, to meet with a psychologist who would sit down at the table on the opposite end. The psychologist will pull out a bag of marshmallows and then they would take one out and then they put it right in front of the four-year-old. And they would say, oh, I've got to run for an errand. So I'm going to leave this marshmallow right here on the table in front of you. You can have this marshmallow if you want at any time. But if you don't eat it, when I come back, I will give you two marshmallows. Oh, yeah, you know. Now, if you eat this one, though, it's the only one you're going to get. Do you understand? And, of course, the four-year-old would nod and repeat back the instructions and then... Uh, indicate that they had registered in their four-year-old brain that they understood. So then the researcher would leave the room with the kid all alone, sitting on the chair, staring at that marshmallow right in front of them, uh, and the researcher would leave them for the duration of 15 full minutes. Now, if they tried this now, it would be considered cruel and unusual punishment. 
This marshmallow test strained their very souls as a battle between impulse and restraint, between desire, self-control, between gratification and delay. Now, some of them just could not take it. They didn't even try. They just, ah, as soon as they went. And it was done. It was done. Others would, would try and fight, but they would cave and they would eat it. But then still others, they had all different types of strategies to, to try to cope with the torture of not eating that marshmallow, knowing that if they only held out, they would get two at the end. Some would cover their eyes. They wouldn't uh, see the marshmallow. They wouldn't stare at the temptations. Others would fold their arms, put their heads down. Some would, would try to, this one really, really struck me. Some would try to talk themselves out of it. It, it struck me because uh, my wife said she caught my son Noah once saying, Noah, it's not worth it, Noah. <laughs> I'm picturing that's, that's what it, it was. Like, and then still, some would just play on with their hands and feet, and some would sit on their hands. Some even picked up the marshmallow, smelled the marshmallow, <laughs> put it down. One kid licked the table all around the marshmallow, <laughs> hoping, hoping by osmosis they would get some. Kids can be dumb. The point is, waiting can be tough. You think, though, as we get older, it gets easier. But it really doesn't, does it? What we yearn and long for may change, but the waiting itself is always challenging. And for us, when Christmas time rolls around, our hearts ache even more. For maybe some of us, we ask ourselves, how long will it be until the pain of the broken relationship is fully healed? How long will it be before I can make ends meet? How long will it be until I'm cancer-free? How long will it be until I find the companionship that helps with these loneliness feelings? How long will it be until we have true peace and a world where there's no more acts of senseless violence? Now, if I could sum up all of these deepest longings into one biblical word, I would say that all of us are yearning and longing for shalom. Now, many of us know shalom as peace, and it certainly is that, but it's much more. Shalom, in the biblical sense, encapsulates this vision of a holistic well-being, extending beyond mere peace to encompass wholeness, completeness, flourishing. It envisions this world where everything is as it should be. And this is the message of Christmas, that with the coming of Jesus Christ, where bit by bit the brokenness of our world is being undone through the work of Christ. But what we have now in this present age is shalom in seed form. The fullness is still to come. And like children holding out for that second marshmallow, we're also called to wait well in order to experience that delayed gratification, which is promised to us later on. And what we will find is that Jesus is worth the wait. Today, we're going to look at one of the first encounters that the newborn Jesus has with the world around him. And it's going to take us to the temple of God, where we find the focus on life and words of one elderly, godly man named Simeon. Simeon is this shining example of what it looks like to wait well and what it looks like to be satisfied in Christ. 
Now, my prayer for you is that by the end of our time together, you would give thanks for Christmas, specifically for the coming of Jesus into our world, and that this good news would allow us to wait well, to set our hope on him alone. So let's pray now, and then we'll jump into our text. Would you bow your heads with me as we go to the Lord together? Father in heaven, thank you for your great love. As Christmas approaches, we pray that we would worship your son, that we would give him the glory he deserves. Today, as we hear the words of Simeon, may those words bring hope and peace. May it empower us to set our hope on you. Help us now to find our soul satisfaction in you. Speak, Lord, for we're listening. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In our text, in the ancient city of Jerusalem, Mary and Joseph made their way through the bustling streets. Joseph led his young wife, Mary, and the baby Jesus gently past the throng into the temple courts. Once inside, you could feel this change in the atmosphere as if you had crossed a threshold into another world. The temple carried this special sense of anticipation in this place where heaven met earth, where God met man. Mary and Joseph ascended those temple steps to fulfill their purification rites. And just as Mary and Joseph entered the temple courts, Simeon came onto the scene. Simeon was a man of God marked by a lifetime of devotion. His eyes, even though they were dimmed by time, sparkled with this light that spoke of a deeper understanding. Compelled by the Holy Spirit, Simeon approached Mary, Joseph, and their newborn babe. For all of his life, Simeon had waited for the consolation of Israel. He lived with a messianic hope, this longing for the comfort and refreshment that the Savior would bring. Simeon had waited patiently for the Christ, and it was for that very reason that he visited the temple daily. Simeon's hope was firmly fixed on him. And now, before his very eyes, was the one he had been waiting for. Simeon's hands gestured to hold baby Jesus, and surprisingly, Mary wasn't threatened by the request. So she placed Jesus into his arms. In that sacred moment, all that Simeon had been waiting for had come true. Jesus was the one. And to paraphrase C.S. Lewis, in his arms was one who is bigger than our whole world. To those on the outside looking in, there would be no way to tell what a special occasion this was. But Simeon knew because the Spirit had revealed it to him, just as the Spirit had revealed to him that he would live to see this day. And when I picture the scene, the, the sun is shining brightly, the camera starts wide, but then it zooms up close to Simeon holding Jesus, and then everything in the background just blurs. And then the pentatonics version of Mary Did You Know starts to play. You know that song? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child you delivered will soon deliver you. 
this was that great moment of significance because it was the passing of the new to the to the of the old to the new it signaled the ending of the old testament era the start of the new testament era simeon was one of the last of the prophets under the old covenant and with jesus in his arms he knew that all that was promised in the old covenant would now be fulfilled in the person of jesus christ in that moment simeon breaks into the song and the song is recorded for us in verses 29 to 32. Just listen as I read it to you. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Simeon's song reveals that salvation has come in the form of a person, this Jesus who was in his arms. More than that, Simeon sings that this child is a light from God who will light the way for the Gentiles to draw near to God and one who will bring honor and glory to God. If we put it another way, the mission of Jesus to the nations is to open their eyes to who God truly is. And more than that, is to bring glory back to God. Jesus would be the one who would draw us to God so that we would know, worship, and love God and enjoy him forever. Now, when we look at Simeon, we must ask, did he receive everything he had been waiting for? Did he receive everything he had been waiting for? Well, it's both a yes and a no, isn't it? In one sense, Simeon gets even more than he had asked for, more than what he was hoping for. He was hoping for the consolation of Israel. And now he comes to find that Jesus would be the consolation and savior, not only of Israel, but joy for the whole world. It's even better than what he had dared hope. The coming of Jesus didn't just mean that things would be made right for Israel. It meant that the whole world, the world itself, would be made right. But then in another sense, he didn't really receive everything he had been waiting for, did he? Because by the time of his death, Simeon didn't get to see everything in the world as it should be. All of that was on the other side of eternity. What he received on that day was simply a foretaste of the future that was in store, a seed form of the future glory of God, a preview of the life that is to come. As one person points out, when Simeon sees Jesus come at Christmas, his waiting was relieved because Jesus had hit the scene. But his waiting wasn't totally resolved because Jesus hadn't yet completed the work of rescuing and consoling him and the rest of Israel. That is, Simeon's waiting was only re relieved, not resolved. Simeon experienced relief, not resolution in his waiting. And in a way, this is what life is like for us as people who set our hope on Christ. Having come to know Jesus, we've already gotten a foretaste of what life is like in the kingdom. We've experienced the goodness of forgiveness from God, but we still, still, we long for the healing of the nations. We've experienced freedom in Christ over, power, over the power of sin, but still, we long for the day when the very presence of sin will be eradicated. We've experienced physical, spiritual healing, but still, we long for the day when pain and death will be no more. It's kind of like how, how when you go to a restaurant, you order an appetizer and a main dish. Now, some of you are like, 
We never order appetizers <laughs> in our family. I feel you, me neither. That's how it was when I was growing up. No appetizers, just drink the free tap water, right? But by faith, imagine with me, uh, you order an appetizer in this hypothetical meal. The appetizer comes out, and it is the best thing that you have ever, ever, ever tasted. Having tasted the app, no one would ever say, that was amazing. I am completely satisfied. Let's leave. Let's try something else. No. It would only whet your appetite and make you eagerly wait for the main dish that is still to come. And that's the space that we're living in right now. At the first coming of Jesus, that very first Christmas, Jesus paved the way for us to know God, to love God. Having tasted his goodness, we now wait for his return at the second coming. Now, this is what we celebrate when we celebrate Christmas. It's recognizing how good it is that God entered into our world, that he took up residence in our lives. Now, some people find it hard to believe and consider the work of and the story of Jesus to be a work of fiction. I heard Tim Keller once say that it's, it's not unlike how the communist uh, Russian government was officially atheist. So when they sent a cosmonaut into space and the cosmonaut uh, Yuri Gagorin uh, said, I see no God up here. C.S. Lewis responded uh, and answered him by saying that to expect to find God by going to space is like expecting to find God by going from the first floor of a house up to the second floor. And if you don't see anybody, you're like, oh, you must not be there. But that's not how it works. The relationship between God and humanity, the, the relationship between creator and creation is more like the relationship between an author and the characters that the author creates in the story. There's no way for the character to interact uh, with the author unless the author writes themselves into the story. So Hamlet could never interact with Shakespeare unless Shakespeare somehow decided to enter into Hamlet's world. But that's what actually happened once. There's this lady by the name of Dorothy Sayers. She's most famous for, uh, well, she's famous for a lot of things, but you, you may know her because she was one of the close friends of uh, C.S. Lewis and, and J.R.R. Tolkien, and they, they formed this group called the Inklings that would meet and, and discuss their works. She was very well known for her uh, mystery novels, and she was actually also this graduate of Oxford, one of the first women uh, to graduate from Oxford. Now, Sayers was tall. She was not regarded as classically beautiful, and... Um, in her time, spare time, she would write these detective novels. And one character that she really fell in love with in her detective novels was this man named Lord Peter Whimsey, this prototypical British gentleman detective. And in Sayer's mind, Lord Peter wasn't just this pale figure of fantasy. He was this living, breathing human being, a man of average height, beak nose, intellectual brilliance, novel by novel. The clever and resourceful Lord Peter makes his way through life, solving murders and mysteries left and right. But there was one thing inherently sad about him. He was single and he was all alone. And then so Sayers decides to bring into this world this female character named Harriet Vane. Now, although Peter and Harriet don't exactly hit it off at first, they ultimately fall in love. They get married. 
and then they solve mysteries together. What do we know about Harriet? She's tall. She's not regarded as classically beautiful. She attends Oxford. In her spare time, she writes detective novels. Does this sound familiar? Scholars have long guessed that Sayers used herself as the model for Harriet Vane. She was the creator of Lord Peter Whimsey. She had invented that world from scratch. And as Lord Peter's story continued to unfold, she saw his deep needs and she felt his yearning and loneliness. And so she rescued him. She wrote herself into the story to become his friend, his ally, his lover. And when you think about it, this is exactly what God did. When we were in need, when we were in a world unable uh, to, to find our way through, God wrote himself into our story by sending his son, Jesus Christ. This is what we celebrate on Christmas. So uh, as we think about living in this space be between how life was before Christ and how life will ultimately be when all things are made right, we know that we can hope. We know that we can trust. We know that Jesus satisfies. So let us pray. Father, we give thanks for Christmas. We thank, give thanks for Jesus. We pray that as we hope and, and, and as we yearn and uh, as we live with all sorts of uh, different needs, that we would look to Christ, knowing that having tasted of his goodness and having now experienced fellowship with you, that we would hold out, that we would delay all gratification in, in other things and simply live our lives for you and for your glory. May we love you and know you and worship you for you alone are worthy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
what child, what child is this who lay to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping, whom angels greet with anthems sweet, while shepherds watch our All the kids, please come up, the choir members.
I'd like to welcome you to First Baptist Church, uh, and, if, uh, and if you're visiting for the first time, if you could please raise your hand up high. The ushers have a card they'd like to give you. Keep your hands raised up until you get the card. Please complete the card and bring it with you to the visitor center, and that is going to be right outside the exit, and there'll be people to greet you. Hand in your card, and we have a gift for you. We hope that you enjoyed your stay with us today and that you'll be back again. And I want you to have the opportunity to rise from your seats and welcome each other. And the question is, think of a time when something took longer than expected and you had to wait for it. But it was worth the wait. So if you could share that with someone today. Okay, now for a few announcements. How will you respond to trials and suffering? This is actually a new Sunday school class in First and Second Peter, and it will be held on Sundays from 9.30 uh, at 9.30 a.m. in the South Building in room 305. And it starts on January 7th. The 2024 numbered offering envelopes can be picked up in the lobby. And if you look in your program, there are two envelopes. It's for the Christmas offering and the love offering. The Christmas offering will be designated for the completion or beautification of the lobby. And the love offering will be a gift for the pastoral staff. And we love our pastoral staff. They do so much for us all year long. So there's a chance for us to show our support for them. The candlelight service will be next Sunday, Christmas Eve, December 24, at 5 o'clock. And there will be a children's hour for ages 4 to 7 on the second floor, South Building. 
There's a New York Cares coat drive at First Baptist Church of Flushing. And in 35 years, this coat drive has helped 2.5 million New Yorkers. And there's a chance for you to donate a coat anytime from now until December 24. Coats must be clean and in good condition. So place your donation in the container in the lobby. And if you have any questions, please email Sasha Potes, and her email is in the bulletin. Monday, noontime prayer is on Zoom, and it's a great opportunity to pray over the needs, great or small, with the FBCF family. Please contact Pastor Aaron for more details. And if you'd like to participate in beautifying our worship space with floral arrangements, sign up with Angela Lee, and the cost is $25 per week. And now I'd like to pray for today's offering. If the ushers could please come forward. Please bow your heads with me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that the greatest gift of all is Jesus. And we praise you this morning, Lord. And God, we thank you for the opportunity for us to give gifts back to you. I pray that you would help us to give sacrificially and generously, and that you would use these gifts to further your kingdom, all for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.
like the worship team to come on up. I'd like to also thank everyone who participated in this service. Wasn't that? It blessed my heart. Yeah, thank you so much. Would you all rise to receive the benediction? Receive the benediction. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. Amen. Angels from the realms of glory, bring your flight o'er all the earth. He who sang creation's story, now proclaim Messiah's birth. Come and worship, come and worship, worship.
Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Amen. 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 Have a blessed afternoon.